Section 65 of Editorials from the Dial Magazine, Volume 66. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The treaties with Germany and Austria are a clear proof that, however much the Allies may want a League of Nations, they want other things more. Indeed, France, Japan, and Italy, the three predatory members of the alliance, from the first regarded the League as a menace to their aggressive policies and made their acquiescence a matter of purchase at a ruinous price. England wishes the League only as validation of her empire, is unwilling to sacrifice any of her possessive rights, and is under suspicion of seeking to use the mandatory system for imperialistic ends. The United States wants the League, but is unwilling to sacrifice to it her position in the Western Hemisphere. Even with these reservations, it might still be possible to launch the League by virtue of the measure of hope and goodwill that remains in the neutral and defeated nations, including China and Russia. But by the treaties, this last hope is frustrated. The victors will not yield any of the attributes of a strong peace to secure the League. On the part of the first four partners, this attitude is so bound up with territorial and financial claims as to be readily understood. But on the part of the United States, it is explicable only in terms of national hypocrisy and stupidity. No one believes that Mr. Wilson would have sacrificed the essential features of his new world order to the humiliation and spoliation of Germany if he had not realized that the country behind him demanded such humiliation and spoliation. And to what end? Certain interests in this country may profit by the ruin of German industry, but the business of the United States as a whole can only suffer. We have no legitimate revenge to seek from Germany, no great injury, material or moral, to make even. We have inflicted vastly more harm on Germany than we have received. Our attitude is to be explained solely by a survival of war psychology. We are still stupid and blind from hate and unfortunately that hate has extended itself to Russia. The armistice balked us of what we regarded as legitimate prey, the destruction of German cities and the massacre of Germans on German soil, and in these circumstances we have found an outlet for our feelings in our former ally. Thus we have made it impossible to use the forces that are sincerely interested in a new international order and we are compelled to resort to the doubtful process of wishing such an order on our suspicious and half-unwilling associates. In other words, the United States is determined to sacrifice the one tangible object for which it fought, not to material advantage or to calculated revenge, but to a state of mind. And for that state of mind, which blocks his endeavors, Mr. Wilson is largely responsible is reaping the fruit of his panic-stricken war policy, when he suspended free speech and trampled upon opinion, when he gave the country over to the mob law of security leagues and defense societies, when he sold his bonds on atrocity stories and set up a department of public falsehood by way of propaganda. He was preparing exactly such a situation as he will confront on his return, a country which will not renounce any of the fruits of victory which others are gathering, which will not make place for Germany and Russia in the new order of the world, because it is still in no condition to do business. End of section 65